change management is very difficult. And so we have asked the world to change very quickly, you know, looking at going from an in-person conference to a, a virtual conference. We, in the last two years, we went virtual and that was very difficult for a lot of our members because they were used to networking in person. We don't want to throw out some of the great things that have happened in the past and some of the great things that we've done in the past. We want to respect that, but also there's, there's a new world. You know, we have to learn to be adaptable and flexible. And one of our founders, Doc Hall, coaches me and reminds me that we can have all the lean principles in the world, but unless we're adaptable, unless we're flexible, we're not going to be successful. Hey, everyone, I'm Elizabeth Swan. And I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and we're from the Just In Time Cafe. Welcome to our podcast. At the cafe, we wrestle with tough questions, talk to groundbreakers, discuss great books, and get insights from Lean Six Sigma practitioners who are helping make a difference in the world. We let you in on helpful apps, we bring you the news, and we challenge the status quo so you can build your problem-solving muscles. So Elizabeth, what's on the cafe menu today? Well, Tracy. Today's highlight is our interview with AME President Kimberly Humphrey. We'll get an inside look at what goes on at the Association for Manufacturing Excellence and how Kimberly is changing the status quo. Her hot apps will review an app that supports remote teams process for reflection and growth. And for Q&A, we asked our community, how do you resist giving advice when it might rob others of the chance to learn and grow? Um, it's post Labor Day at the cafe, Tracy. Are you still wearing white? I never wear white. I wish I could wear white, but I never wear white. Not a part of my wardrobe. <laughs> Up next is Hot Apps. Yes, this app is called Starfish Retrospective, and I'm working out where the starfish comes in. Uh, I was thinking maybe it has five points. Yes, the five points. I'm going with that. <laughs> this is a digitally facilitated type of post-mortem app, but it's not just listing what's going well or what's not going well. It's more specific in terms of reflection by using these categories. You and I are familiar with this technique, Elizabeth, right? We use this a lot. These are ways to reflect on tasks and behaviors. We would normally have people do this as individuals, but this app lets groups collaborate, which is super cool. So here's the categories. One, keep doing. These are things that energize the team, adds value, and something the team is doing well, and you recognize the value of it. What are the good things in your project, or what will people miss if it isn't there? Two, less of. These are practices that are already being done but might need refining because it's not currently helpful or productive in the current situation. This could be as simple as a behavior, an activity, or a routine that is not efficient or value adding in its current form, or maybe you just need to do less of it. Three, more of. These might be practices, technologies, or activities that the team members think there should be more of or that they're doing great and they want to do more of it or it's having a positive impact. And, or it could be something that we're not fully taking advantage of. Four, stop doing. These are things that are not bringing value or even worse, getting in the way. It's time to let it go. <laughs> and five, start doing. A new idea or something you've been seeing, 
you've, you've seen worked before that you would like to bring to the table. It might be something simple or just to keep things dynamic and fun. While the ideal scenario is to do each topic one by one, you can also open it up so that people can add ideas under any of the sections when they're ready, and then you can discuss them in the above order. The other thing you could do, start doing is, you know, you want to experiment with something. You know, it's always an experiment. It could be a lot of fun if you say, hey, let's try this. Let's try to do it this way. So as a team, you brainstorm lists for each and then decide what to take action on. What do you think about this app, Elizabeth? This is an intriguing app, Tracy, for the reasons you list, but also for what it adds to the process. Um, the app was actually created for agile software teams, but you and I both know anyone can use this. We've used it for decades. Uh, I mean, the, the categories and the activity, but not online. Uh-huh. So uh, first they have teams brainstorm behaviors for each of the lists, like you just gave those four categories, but they don't publish the list until everyone signals they're done. So it's individual brainstorming, which means you're not influenced by others. I kind of like that. Uh, Then you combine like ideas and the app will actually suggest some groupings for you, which is kind of hip. And then you vote on the suggestion. So once again, the voting is individual and you don't publish it until everyone is done. I really love that because when we use sticky dots dots and we multi-vote with groups, I don't know if you see this, but I swear dots attract dots. Like when people see like, oh, what's that category that's getting all the votes? And then they go and stick their sticky dots there. So this might even be truly more reflective of what everyone really feels. Mm -hmm. And then you discuss the top voted ideas and you move from there into an action item list with people's names, due dates, status, right? And then you can share the results. So pretty simple, but powerful. Um, as you and I know, and I like this app. The pricing is 25 a month for a team, 60 bucks for three teams, 90 months for six teams. And there's a lot more in this app. We, we chose the retrospective uh, side of it, the Starfish retrospective. Um, but aside from that, there are health checks where you can do check-ins with remote workers based on things like role clarity, autonomy, impact, engagement, and support. You know, with the reality of remote worker bases everywhere, this is applicable to almost any industry, right? They've they've limited, they've limited themselves to agile, but I really think it goes way beyond. So really nice find, Tracy. Yeah, I agree. I've used the more of, less of, and the stop, start, continue outside of a virtual for several years now, as you know, you I know you've done that too. And now, I mean, I got really excited, like, oh, there's an app to digitize it. This works great for virtual teams. And I mean, although you could probably set this up in a mural board if you really wanted to, I think it's great. And I just love adding stuff to our toolkit. Yeah, super dynamic. Uh, I would say it's a two thumbs up, Tracy. Two thumbs up. I'm Elizabeth Swan, and you're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. In a short while, you'll get to hear our interview, actually Tracy's interview with Kimberly Humphrey. Next up, it's an issue we deal with all the time. How do you resist giving advice when people need to figure things out on their own? So there's a study where they discovered that like 90% of business meetings exchanges were spent in advocacy. And that means people pushing their ideas forward. And that means not asking a lot of questions, 
And there's a downside to that, right? If we're not asking questions, we're not learning from others. That means we're not listening. And in the case of coaching people, we might be giving people advice when what they need is a chance to figure things out for themselves. So one of the reasons we might spend more time advocating for ideas is that we equate the quality or quantity or both of our ideas uh, that we offer with our personal worth, right? As we gain experience, our value goes up. We know more, we're better at what we do. We have more to offer. So we might ask fewer questions. Or if we do ask questions, it might be advocacy in disguise. Like, have you considered, and that would be my idea after that. (laughs) So (laughs) in order to help others build their capabilities, our value lies in the questions we ask. So without reflecting on our role, we might list, uh, miss this as a leadership opportunity because inquiry is a critical skill. It opens avenues, it builds skills, it forges relationships. And if you do it right, it helps you be a better listener. So what about you, Tracy? Do you have trouble resisting offering advice when a question might be more appropriate? Absolutely. You know, at work, I do this great as a problem solving coach. I'm almost never the expert in many of the processes that people I'm coaching work in. So I'm actually pretty good at resisting the temptation of offering advice to a problem solver. Although I do offer a lot of advice for people that are running process improvement groups. Um, oh, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years and, you know, seven years ago I worked with this and this is how they did it. And, you know, sometimes I'm off on a tangent and I, you know, I probably need to, you know, ask better questions. And I have to say, I'm pretty proud of myself. As you know, you know, becoming a coach for my 19 year old son, you know, I'm just so proud of my ability to stop giving advice that he didn't, he didn't want. <laughs> Just really being a coach, like, okay, it's your life. I mean, it's up to you what you want to do. So uh, that's been really, it's really humbling because even if you are a great coach and you ask great questions, it doesn't mean you do that everywhere you go. And being humble and mindful of that is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's back to humble leadership, right? Edgar Stein and uh, what impact that has on people. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a comment uh, in this LinkedIn post from Morgan O'Donnell. She's the head of Silver Raven Connection uh, Creations. And she she says when she works on art projects, right? So as you say, it could happen in any walk of life. She's had people offer advice in response to her talking about some of the challenges she's dealing with. And uh, not only did their advice leave her feeling kind of deflated, but it took away some of the joy she got from tinkering, getting messy, making mistakes and figuring out on her own. And that so resonates because when I've been unable to resist giving people um, advice and this happens, obviously I'm better at when I'm coaching and being official, but even outside of that, as you experience with your son, I sense that deflation, right? That they're thinking, oh yeah, well, I guess she knows better and whatever. I guess I, I guess I don't know, (laughs) which is not a great feeling, right? So I'm working hard on checking when people truly want or need advice. So I'll, I'll ask about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I find it's easy not to be an expert and not give advice if you do, you know nothing about the processes, which often I am in that role at work. Um, and so if you are really running into an op- a situation where you feel like you are giving too much advice and you don't know how to stop it, put yourself in a situation where you are not the expert. You don't know. 
and then it forces you to ask questions. And I think it's a great exercise. Uh, so here's another take from our colleague and board certified coach, Dorsey Sherman. She sees this tendency in more experienced people in her practice. She pointed out that if we fail to let other people solve their own problems, we limit connection and learning. I think that's such a great point. It's the learning I'm really keen on that I'm, I feel that I'm not letting them solve a problem, but it's also connection, right? You're not allowing that to happen. Um, here's another great real life example from evidence-based management advisor, Dr. Catherine McIver. And she says that pseudo inquiry, which I mentioned, right? Have you thought about my idea? Um, that's one of the traps she's fallen into on both sides, right? As a coach and as a mentee. So to counteract that, she level sets the conversation by asking if they want to advise, if they want advice, right? Or if people want to brainstorm aloud before she asks questions, right? So she gets that. Uh, she asked that up front and I like that. I'm trying to do that more. So lots of great wisdom from our crowd. Thank you again. Yes, join the conversation. I'm Tracy O'Rourke and you're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. We host these mon monthly. So you can go to www.jitcafe.com and go to our podcast page. Coming up next, it's our featured guest, Kimberly Humphrey. I am very bummed I don't get to be part of the interview because I'll be on vacation. But Tracy, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Kimberly? Well, let me just say we are going to miss you, Elizabeth, because the JIT Cafe is not the same without you. But you deserve a real vacay, not the vacay where you still work. So I'm going to make you take it. Take it. All right, Kimberly Humphrey is the president of AME, Association of Manufacturing Excellence. She started this role not just, just before COVID hit, and like many of us, she had a whole new set of challenges to deal with in a very short period of time. But the good news is Kimberly has a long history with AME as a member and volunteer. She has served in several volunteer roles, including Director of Alliances for AME's management team, Southeastern Region Board member, AME Excellence Award Examiner, and AME International Conference Committee member. So she has a lot of experience uh, in volunteering with AME. But Kimberly also has significant experience as a lean expert. For the past decade, she has held various process excellence, project management, and supply chain roles for Newport News Shipbuilding. Prior to this, Humphrey was executive director of the Virginia Conflict Resolution Center, the founder of a Baldridge-based consulting and training organization, and she's held several supply chain quality and operations leadership roles of increasing responsibilities for domestic and international companies in the automotive business system, public transit, software solutions industries. Wow. She has a lot of experience, lots of diversity, and I love talking with her too. She's a very interesting person because of her experience, and she's just a good leader all around. So we're really psyched to have her at the cafe. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the Just In Time Cafe. Oh, hi, Tracy. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. We are so happy that you could come to our cafe and talk a little bit about you and AME. So first of all, I just want to ask you, so you've been in this position now for about two years and what made you, what drew you to the role of AME president? 
what what happened? And I don't know if we should start with your background first, or if you want to go right into what you know the role first. What? So it's it's kind of a funny story. So about maybe ten years ago, I was working in the industry, and I had a guy come up to me, and many of you might know him, Glenn Marshall, and he said, "Hey, Kim, what do you know about AME?" And at the time, I said nothing. And he said, great, would you like to join a regional board? And I thought, well, I've got some some time to volunteer. So fast forward 10 years, it was one person stopping me in the hallway that asked me what I knew about AME. But once I started, I was so excited about this organization. So as a volunteer, I worked in alliances. I worked on the Excellence AME Excellence Award program. I wrote articles for our magazine. And I just found out how valuable this organization was. But just a little bit of background about me, My I have a very diverse background. So I've been yes. very, very um, blessed to have the experiences in industry in a lot of different industries. So I've worked in automotive. I've worked in industry making printers and copiers. I've actually uh, run a nonprofit years ago um, doing conflict resolution, which is extremely timely for every organization. And then finally, I really like to brag that my last job was 10 years building aircraft carriers for the United States Navy. So very cool opportunity and just an ex a wonderful experience. Yes, wow. And so I'm guessing a lot of those companies did employ process improvement and maybe even some of them belong to AME as members of a consortium of some kind. Right. So again, like I said, about 10 years ago, I didn't even know who Amy was, but what, what I found was a lot of organizations did. And so my background has been quality systems, uh, continuous improvement, even before we called it continuous improvement, it was go out and fix, uh, look at these valves and figure out how to make them better. Um, so, you know, we were doing continuous improvement before that buzzword really caught up, caught up in industry. And so learning about AME, I wish I had known about AME years ago. Um, because I would this would have been the place I would have come to get the best practices and to learn from those experts. Yes, definitely. Well, we uh, so I'm really excited when I found out you became president of AME. So tell us a little bit, and, and of course, you know I have to do the shout out to Women Power. Woohoo! <laughs> yep. <laughs> so tell me, what are some of your goals and aspirations for AME since you came on board as president in the last two years? So again, um, I started right before COVID, so I had very clear plans of where I was going to take AME uh, January of 2020. And so, you know, in March of 2020, everything changed, um, but it didn't. So AME is like every other organization. We had to to pivot, we had to continuously improve. And so the same goals that I had when I came in was were to make AME better known around the world and to make sure that our people were connected and engaged. So that's not changed even through this whole new virtual world. Um, you know, but there were some changes that had to be made, obviously. I mean, we, you know, I, I have to share that I never used Zoom before I joined AME. And now I will share that I think I'm probably an expert in it. Uh, I spend <laughs> probably the majority of my day on, a Zoom, on Zoom calls and I've got to meet the best people. And I think some, you know, we always have to look at the opportunities that come with kind of the negatives. And I believe that, um, you know, this virtual world has allowed people to connect probably closer than they would have you know, in person, because I would not have met the people I've met and had continued conversations sometimes weekly. So going forward, my goal is to continue that connection, 
and to make AME the place to go um, for all organizations. So, and that doesn't just include manufacturing. A, a lot of people talk about, you know, it is the Association for Manufacturing Excellence, but I will share that probably our largest group um, is in the medical field because they know that manufacturing uh, organizations are doing things very well mm -hmm. and they want to learn from them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so, yeah, COVID, I'm sure, probably threw a wrench in things just a little bit. I would agree with you. I cannot believe how more connected I feel to the lean community in particular since COVID happened, partially because, well, first of all, all consulting dried up. Like nobody needed you on, on site and kind of everything went on hold. And so I had been talking to a lot of consultants and they were all kind of not busy. Three of us in San Diego actually decided to help nonprofits in the interim. So we were, you know, banding together. We helped this company called Kitchens for Good, and that was great. But then I found all these lean virtual community groups, women in lean, um, and then, you know, lots of different people. And I've met so many people in lean since COVID, which I think is absolutely, you're absolutely right. And nobody knew how to use Zoom, and now everybody feels pretty comfortable. And so now, I'm sure that that added some challenges for you, but now that you're two years into COVID, what are some of your more recent challenges with uh, some of your aspirations for AME? Do you have any recent challenges that you're dealing with? I think we all do. So you just brought up probably the biggest one that we've all been challenged with throughout the years, right? Um, is change. Change management is very difficult. And so we have asked the world to change very quickly and so, you know, looking at going from an in-person conference to a, a virtual conference, we, in the last two years, we went virtual. After 35 years, we're, we were virtual. And that was very difficult for a lot of our members because they were used to, you know, networking in person. Um, also, you know, some of the, we don't want to throw out some of the great things that have happened in the past and some of the great things that we've done in the past. We want to respect that. But also, there's, there's a new world. We've got a lot of new new energy in these new workers. You know, the new collar workers are bringing a lot of challenges, which is exciting, but you know, we have to learn to be adaptable and flexible. And one of our founders, Doc Hall, is constantly, you know, kind of coaches me and reminds me that we can have all the lean principles in the world, but unless we're adaptable, unless we're flexible, we're not gonna be successful. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, so, so that's probably a really nice segue into the theme of this year's conference, <laughs> embracing disruption. So tell me a little bit about the, the concept behind the theme. What was the, I mean, you could read into that and kind of read into it yourself, but I'd love to hear from the horse's mouth, what is really this theme about? It couldn't be more appropriate, right? Just <laughs> embrace disruption. So we've all had disruption and disruption is good. You know, change is good. It challenges us to do things differently. It provides opportunities. But this year we thought, what a better place, a better topic, you know, to talk about than disrupt, embracing disruption. So we've got a lot of technologies. Again, I talked about Zoom, which is not really a, any high, high thing technology, but, you know, for a lot of us, that was new. And um, the company, the organization I worked for before, never used any kind of technology like that at all because they built ships. Um, they've been building ships by hand for years. So they had to pivot to this new world of technology. So whether we talk about Industry 4.0 or any of the digital things that are coming in place and they're coming faster than ever, 
So we want to embrace that at the conference. We want to talk about the supply chains. What are the supply chains doing differently now? That's going to be a huge topic. And we've got experts who are going to share how they pivoted during this last two years with supply chain issues. And we've got companies that have, you know, locations all throughout the world that were successful, but they had to make some changes fairly quickly. Um, we're also talking about the leadership of the future, which I'm super proud of. You just talked about having a leader, a woman, you know, leader of AME. Well, I hope that that's not even surprising in the future that we have I women know. leaders. We have the diversity. Our, our diversity is not even something we have to even worry about because it's there and we're embraced. And, you know, as my, my friend Billy Taylor always likes to say, you can't manage a secret. And we'd love for this not to be a secret that AME is the most, you know, wide, widely known organization and that everybody feels like they have a, a seat at the table and a voice. And um, so some of the things that we're doing differently also for this conference is we've got our AME Emerging Leaders. And so two years ago, we started this, we restarted our Emerging Leader Program and our Emerging Leaders have just taken off and they're, they're defining what AME could look like in the future based on their vision of the world. And that's exciting. So tell me, tell the audience a little bit about the Emerging Leader Program at AME. So the Emerging Leader Program starts at the conference. So we'll have a new cohort starting at this conference and they end at next year's conference. So this year's conference or this year's Emerging Leader Program, they actually meet on a monthly basis and develop uh, skills in different areas of lean. But some of the exciting things that they did this year, well, they actually met with our Champions Club and our Champions Club are C-suite um, person people and they have reverse mentoring sessions. So instead of the C-suite people mentoring this emerging leader group, there's an opportunity for the emerging leaders to also share the things that they know with the C-suite people. And so we're talking about technology and both, both groups are getting such value of it and they add of it and they enjoy it so much. So I'm super proud of them. Um, they will be capstoning in our conference this year. So their project this year, it's a surprise what their project is, but they will be presenting their project and then talking about the value of going through a program like that. Mm -hmm. That is super exciting. How many people are in this program in the cohort that are capstoning? This is a small one this year. We've got about 11, mm -hmm. 11 from, but they're from all over the world. So that's also the beauty of this. In this virtual world, you can meet virtually. So last year we had someone from Canada, Australia, and then the US. And also that gives them the connection. You know, they, so they're gonna be connected. And what's really valuable about this is the one ask I asked was not that this be a one and done. So they now have established an alumni association. So mm -hmm. they immediately go into the alumni association and that alumni association has been as active as the cohort going through the program. Mm -hmm. Super exciting for me. I'm just, you know, I'm standing back and just watching and just so proud. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, it's interesting how much AME does have going on. You've got your Champions Club. You've got the Emerging Leaders Program. You have the the consortiums. You also have the, the Lean Master Sensei training and program. And I'm sure there's not even that's not even all the things that are happening at AME. Yeah, you know, and we have the regional boards. So our regional boards are located throughout the country and throughout the world, actually, because we do have one in Australia and one in Canada as well. 
And what they're doing is focusing on what's important to their region. So it's super exciting. Um, again, I, I live in Southeastern Virginia. We're a very heavy defense area. So our area is very focused on what's important to the defense or the shipbuilding or the government work. But you look at other areas, we've got consortiums and regions in healthcare. We've got consortiums and regions in strong manufacturing areas. And that's super exciting. And it's connecting everybody. The most important part about this is they know that there's some place to go. When they have a problem, they have an issue, they have a question, they want to benchmark somebody, they just have to pick up the phone and they've got somebody to do that. Yes, you're right. I'm a member. I didn't even mention it. I'm a member on the Western Region Board and we have a great group and you know, we're we're trying to focus on, you know, getting some more engagement with people that are members of the consortium as well as, you know, even our group and getting together and getting to know each our our, our Western Region group. But we got a really great group out in the Western Region. And so I'm happy to be a part of that too. Yeah, so the, all the regions are going to, regional board members are going to be coming to the conferences and contests going on right now, you know that. Mm -hmm. And what's exciting about that is the regional boards are going to get to meet each other as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's exciting. Yeah, are we going to embrace disruption by doing some sort of obstacle course race against each other? Like that? <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> that's an excellent idea there. Um, you know, I think we are talking about getting people together for breakfast though, so that people can get to know each other. Again, we've all met each other. I, I keep laughing because most of the people I've met through AME, because again, I came here right before COVID. So I feel like I have this really strong relationship, but it's all virtual with people. I feel like I know them very well. I'm so excited to meet them in person at the conference. I know, yeah, that's been the fun part. And so this is going to be the first time in two years that there has been an in-person conference for AME. And I am not lying, AME International Conference has been one of my favorite conferences uh, throughout. The speakers are always amazing. I love coming to this conference. And so I'm really looking forward to being there in person too. So what are you most excited about for this conference, Kim? Well, I think again, I. I'm a people person, so I cannot wait to meet everybody. I cannot wait to hear the keynotes that we've got and see we've got some great sponsors. You know, we've got some great exhibitors that are going to be there and just really networking with people that some of I've seen in the past, but in my past role as a volunteer, not in this role, and just being able to get back together and learn um, because the sessions are going to be amazing. And, you know, I didn't mention, but, you know, we've also got a session on environmental super super timely right now and then just also leadership so it's really you know what's changing in leadership and what what do leaders look what does people-centric leadership really look like and why is that important so i'm i'm very passionate about going to some of those sessions and, and hearing from those experts yes and i'm looking forward to meeting you i haven't actually met you in person either and it's clear you are a people-centered leader. So I'm really looking forward to meeting you and seeing everyone there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope everybody can join us for that conference coming up uh, October. What is it? 17th through the 20th? Very good. Very good. Yes. yes. And if they want to learn more, definitely go to ame.org um, and sign up. And you know, also, if they, I, I encourage people to reach out to me. I am a people person. I love to talk about AME. I love to learn more about what people are looking for. So super easy to contact me, khumphrey at ame.org, um, or just go, go onto the ame.org website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kim. Thanks for coming to the cafe. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to add to share with our audience or any questions for me at all before we, before we uh, top this off? 
You know, I just, you know, I am so grateful to the AME volunteers, Tracy, just I'm so grateful for the, the work and the support that everyone's given each other and me this past two, two and a half years. And I, I just I look forward to the next, you know, just seeing what we what happens for the next five years, 10 years. And I'm super grateful to everyone. Yes, I am too. It's It's been a great learning experience. You've had a couple of conferences this year, all volunteer driven. I was a part of some of those as well, the Workforce Summit program. Um, and it's just amazing how much work people are putting in to get these conferences up and running and doing, getting the right people and making them work. So it's, it's, it's really nice. It's, it's exciting to watch because AME feels like a really big machine sometimes. And then you realize it's all by people who are, are, they're doing it on their own time. AME is a family. I, I've learned that everybody knows everybody. Everybody helps everyone. And you're right. We did three summits this year, all volunteer led, and they were amazing. You could not have put a bunch of professional conference people together and, and put together a better conference or a summit. So I just appreciate the volunteers so much. And they're so passionate and they're so enthusiastic and they're always leaning in to see how they can do more. So I, I'm totally grateful for them and you. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Kim. And thank you so much for coming to the cafe. So I am going to see you next month. And you already shared all of your information on how to get a hold of you. So thank you again for coming. And we will see you at the conference. Thank you, Tracy. I'll see you soon. Be sure to register for our September 15th webinar, Zero In on Improvement Opportunities with Heat Maps with guest host and process excellence specialist at Snowflake, Olga Zuraval. She's developed an ingenious way to do big picture assessments of improvement needs and use it to prioritize where to spend your efforts. I, I'm so looking forward to this one. It's really cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see these heat maps in action. What a great idea. Yeah. If you're planning your own improvement education journey, put our fall semester Lean Six Sigma leadership course on your calendar. Our latest cohort recently graduated and they are already on their transformational journeys. And this course just keeps getting better, so come join us. It's offered through UC San Diego Division of Extended Studies and the fall class starts on October 4th and goes for 10 weeks. So start planning now and we'll provide a link to all of these on our website. Come join us, it is an awesome class. We are so psyched to have your company. The Just In Time Cafe is packed with members of our fabulous community. So join us next month and every single month for your jolt of lean caffeine. <laughs>